normally the format of, of this is we sort of there's two parts there's the expat and the entrepreneur so yeah. sort of deal with the expat side first and then go on to okay. the, the business layer but i think that's going to be very okay. interesting to hear your you know how how your business is going with the current situation it's it, you're probably quite more exposed to that than a lot of people i've spoken to um yeah so th from the expat point of view i mean as as far back as you want to go in your your journey so far um okay. you know how how towards ending up where you are today um sort of yeah where you came from what led to you living abroad basically yeah so i'm nicole and i let's see where my story goes back i'd have to say um back to when i was born um so i actually awesome. come from an immigrant family um my mother being from dominican republic my dad being from puerto rico and they moved to the States. And that was the first, I would say, journey of my family immigrating abroad. Um, but not only did they move abroad, but my dad also was in the military. So as a child, I was growing up in an immigrant family, also in the military. And that, I think, sparked my natural interest in different cultures and and of course traveling but also moving um because as a military brat are known to to move uh, frequently um that has always been kind of who i am of just moving different places i lived in different cities different states all in the us and just several years ago started thinking about outside of the US. So I was um, last in, the New in New York and was really just trying to see, okay, where do I see my next stage in life? You know, there's this natural feeling you get when you feel like a chapter is closing where you are, where you just feel like, you know what, I think that I've experienced what I need to experience here. You made the friends, memories of that place, but you just have this longing for another um, place. And I don't know if it's just something that military brats have or if it's natural, but yeah. um, usually every few years I've moved and it was that time. And so when I started researching, I started looking at, okay, where could I go? And I, and I started looking at internationally, what are the options? Because I never lived abroad and I had never really researched um, of what exactly was required. So when I started researching, for moving abroad, I was, I was stressed. I was just like confused exactly like what in the world do I need to do? Um, and even pick like, where do, where do we want to go? So um, I actually came across a French tech visa. And so when I was like putting together my list of, okay, what's really important for me, I started off with just mapping out okay, I really want um, a central location where I can easily travel and explore other places, a place that has decent weather, so definitely not freezing temperatures. Um, then it was like, okay, good food. Um, and also what was important for me as an entrepreneur in tech was to also find a place that had a, a tech ecosystem. Sure. And so when I started researching, okay, what places there are available, um, I started looking at the visas and the French tech visa popped up. I had never heard of it and looked at what the requirements were. And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty straightforward. Like this seems pretty simple and what's required. So I, um, I applied for the, the visa and 
lo and behold, like two weeks later, got accepted wow, for this quick. visa. And it just was like, oh my gosh, like we can actually move. And yeah. was not expecting that kind of a quick um, experience. Now, of course, I researched like crazy. So it sounds super simple, me explaining it like this, but behind the scenes, what was happening was me like reading every possible blog, um, listening to every podcast about moving abroad, um, watching YouTube videos, and just trying to understand like, okay, what do I need to do to go? Um, but when I applied, it was like really, really quick um, for us. Yeah, to that's to very, very quick, two weeks. Um, what, what for people who are interested in, in that what, what's the what are the terms of that visa is it a complicated application process yeah so the French tech there's actually a few different tech visas um, I believe Spain has one uh, France um, there's a few countries that have this uh, tech visa but um, this specific one in France they have three options there's one you as an entrepreneur uh, as a founder uh, you as an employee of a tech startup or as an investor of a tech startup. Okay. Um, and as a founder, uh, the requirement was I needed to provide a, uh, or get accepted into a French tech accelerator. Okay. So I needed to be accepted into a program. And I think there was about 20 different programs uh, throughout France. And um, so I needed to apply, have them accept me because that basically allows them to do the, the due diligence of, you know, do they have a tech background? I also needed to show that I had some kind of tech background or kind of to de-risk the fact that, yes, I work in tech. Yes, I've actually had a tech startup before. Um, and so those things were important for them to know, like, okay, are they, do they have a certain um, standard? Do they have certain experience? And then we needed to show a certain proof of savings. Um, usually that's required for any visa, really. Um, and I think that was about it. Interesting. Uh, that's, that's, yeah. So <laughs> the accelerator program provides a funding input into your business? No. No, okay. Actually, no. So the, the only reason why they require you acceptance into a specific tech accelerator program um, is because they just want to make sure that they do the interviewing process, that they see your project as something that could be beneficial in France, that could be ha could have uh, international um, opportunities. And they did not provide funding. As a matter of fact, the program that I um, was accepted into accepted me with just an idea. I did oh. not have a product. I did not have customers. I did not really know what I was going to be developing, but I had presented my thoughts and I knew it was around expats. So. <laughs> wow, that's very impressive. Yeah. I would have thought they wanted so. like a, you know, a detailed business plan, timeline horizons. So you literally just said, not. this is the idea. <laughs> Yeah, not all of them are like that. So I did apply to a few throughout France because once I, I did get rejected by one and they were looking at a startup more advanced. So more okay. in the developed stage. And since I was just presenting a new project, I was like, okay, which ones don't require um, a full developed project? Yeah. Cool. And, and so does the one you get accepted into, does that have any bearing on geographically where you have to go in France? Yes. Yeah, so actually um, for this visa, 
you just need to participate in the program. So when I arrived, I arrived September 2019, okay. and that was for a three-month-long uh, program. And so it was an intense, needed to be there for workshops, um, getting to know other um, founders as well. Um, it was very intense because it was in French and I was not yet fluent mm -hmm. in French. I'm still not fluent in French, but I, then I was way less uh, understanding anything. Um, so it was very, uh, it was very intense. Um, and uh, after the three months, so it was based in Lyon. Uh, after the three months, technically, you can move anywhere in France. The French tech visa allows a four-year renewable visa. And so we technically have four years to be anywhere in France uh, and then can renew. Of course, now those are different requirements, but can renew um, in order to extend the visa. Awesome. That sounds yeah. like a, a, an interesting initiative. This might be um, anecdotal, but it does seem like out of all the expat communities, I mean, I'm in the Middle East, um, and obviously we have hundreds of thousands of British, we have millions of Asians, um, and I think it's about 15,000 Americans. So it's actually quite rare to come across American expats, um, here anyway, and, yeah. and even had a similar experience in, uh, in Australia. I think the only other place where I met a lot of Americans was, was in the Philippines, but that's for obvious reasons you know they have military yeah. bases and what have you um that's true. so mm -hmm. do you think there's a reason why not so many americans look beyond america really as a place that is an, a really good question um you know i think it's a cultural uh point because in the u.s i having been raised in the u.s um i don't see that there's a lot of emphasis on cultural education mm. um, it's not really part of um, I mean there's history courses of, of course but there's no real um, uh, trips to other um, other countries to really explore like other cultures and I feel honestly like my education in the U.S., I didn't get to know more about other cultures as much as I think uh, anyone in, um, for example, Europe can easily travel and just like uh, from as if one state to another, but here country to country is just so easy to travel that you can immerse yourself completely to actually see, touch, feel, sense, be immersed in a completely different culture and language. Whereas in the U.S., because it's so far um, sure. And there are so many different things within the U.S. that there are to discover. I think that they don't really go outside of the U.S. And I think that's a shame. I honestly think that it should be more. I, I think there needs to be more cultural immersion. I mean, same thing. And in, in even within the U.S., you know, there's, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Political uh, things that happen yeah. and, and even just like minorities um, kind of things that they experience. And I think it's a lack of cultural education. I, I actually even say, I think every person should live in a foreign country at least one year out of their life. I think our world would be a better place. I think people yeah. would have a, a better perspective and worldview and understanding and empathy for others. Mm -hmm. And um, as American, I, I think that 
definitely there should be more um, of, of that um, just cultural emotion. I think actually now there may be an increase because of, for example, digital nomad visas, which have been popping up all over. Uh, and I think that's becoming more attractive to Americans um, to look outside of the U.S. to have their own business or to work remotely. And I think that's going to open up a lot of doors for people to to basically see beyond like the traditional um, expatriation. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, the, the other the other thing to that is most Europeans here are motivated um, by tax benefits, which doesn't, mm -hmm. you, you guys don't have the, that, unfortunately. Um, so do you think that some people look at that and think, well, that there's not really any monetary, necessarily any monetary value to my life is purely just a cultural benefit. Um, and that perhaps limits it or I'm not sure exactly on the, the ins and outs of factor and how that impacts Americans in Europe. Um, so I don't know, does that have any bearing or does it not really make any difference to you as a person living there that you have that factor thing in place? Yeah, it is definitely tricky. Um, you know, there's a lot of red tape that Americans have to go through when living abroad. Um, just opening up a bank account uh, is very difficult. Um, I had a challenge. I know many Americans that have that challenge. It's just for now, it's unfortunately the case. We have to always report our income taxes to the U.S., um, if we are a citizen there and we also have to file taxes where we're living. And so that definitely adds a lot of complexity. A lot of, I'd say a, a lot of expats, American expats don't know about this until they arrive right. um, or they're not sure how bad it is until they arrive, because really it's almost like bank by bank. Uh, one bank may have a nice uh, banker and be fine filling out paperwork, whereas another one may just not want to. Um, yeah. And so it's really tricky. Um, and, and I'd say, yeah, that, that can definitely impact someone's um, experience of going abroad. But there's also a lot of neobanks that have been popping up. I mean, you have also companies like Wise, um, and 26, you have some of these options um, that can allow somebody to have multiple currencies. Um, and I think that's actually changing the way people uh, manage their money. I think it's still not there like completely to replace a bank, but uh, it's, it's certainly kind of the interim that people, um, you know, could use as they get set up. Yeah, no, I, got, I actually think um, it's further along than a lot of people realize I 100% mm. of my banking is on a digital application. I get paid yeah. into it in dirhams and it's a, a European based company. I have no local banking infrastructure. I mean, I have one, yeah. it's, it's, it doesn't get used, but uh, you know, I, I think that's not far off. You're right. That's definitely the, um, the way it's headed. Well, isn't it? The online bankings. Yes. I think they're, they are pretty far ahead, but different countries require different things. For example, in France, you do need to have a physical bank in France. You need to have a French IBAN in order to rent an apartment, for example, or okay. to get a phone. So that does cause complexity. Whereas, for example, some of these 
um, online banks will give you like a Belgian EBAN, but that is, doesn't uh, qualify okay. for the requirements for housing here. So there's so many different uh, intricacies beyond the banking, but I think that they're pushing, um, you know, the thresholds uh, for, for getting that into, um, you know, these more um, tight cultures yeah. that are used to traditional banking. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And how are you finding France? If you don't mind me asking, you've been there uh, yeah. what, a few years now? Uh, two years. I've been years. here two years. Um, I mean, I think that it's been a really beautiful experience. I love the architecture, the food. The food is good. Uh, but, you know, when you are comparing to your own uh, cultural food, so being yeah. uh, raised with Dominican food, it's very hard to compare. We love carbs. So I like Italian food, <laughs> but Italy's not too far. Um, so other like so far experience has been really great. I think people have been very friendly and warm. Um, obviously we've had to learn French. Um, I mean, and that's and that's natural to to have to learn the language um, as much as possible because sure. in some cases it can be very tricky which language you learn. Um yeah. And I think that my experience here honestly has helped me become a, a better person. I think it's helped me to really see the world, um, not just through the eyes of immigrant parents, but from my own experience now. And I even say that my connection with my family has become even stronger because now I understand the pain points that they've gone through of yeah. moving and and just like the simple things of can finding ingredients at the, the market or figuring out how to even get a Metro card, you know, just silly things like that, but yeah. they can impact your entire experience or a day. You could have just a day of like, why is nothing working for me? <laughs> so, um, yeah. but yeah, my experience has been really great. I love it here. I plan on staying for a long time. Um, but as somebody who's now experienced living abroad, you just never know what, what country might be next. It's yeah. like traveling. Once you get that travel bug, like you just want to keep traveling. And I think that also maybe in terms of moving and experiencing different cultures. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it makes sense, like, especially in Europe, because moving from one European country to another, like you said, is actually not that far. You know, it's, I always forget how just massive America is. <laughs> so you can get across 15 countries you know whereas in america you just you know got from one end to the other or whatever so yeah that, yeah that, you could drive 10 hours and still be in the same state yeah <laughs> yeah it's crazy so uh, yeah I but, think but not even just the distance it's also the price um surprisingly even just traveling in the u.s um flying from let's say new york to florida you could pay 200 plus dollars round trip two hundred dollars for european flights that's like five trips yeah, you can true. you know or train um yeah. so you spend a lot and i think that also makes it more difficult for people for traveling even within the true. u.s so compared to here in europe yeah true i suppose mm -hmm. the flip side is you're at the mercy of you know ryanair easyjet and 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 the likes which oh, is gosh. so it's actually a luxury experience but you're right it's very very cheap <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um for, in terms of getting doing business in, in france i, I guess because you, you've got an online operation have you found any any issues any unexpected um you know things that have come about which are different from what you're used to um 
while staying up. Yeah, there. absolutely. Everything. Um, it's one thing moving here, but it was another. I moved here at the same time that I was starting a business. And so I, it's like um, culture overload or, you know, you're, you're just uh, sensory overload with just so many different things trying to figure out and get settled while trying to also figure out who's my, you know, who's my market, what pain point am I solving? How can I um, build something that is not, um, a traditional business, but innovative enough that's solving, you know, um, something in, in for expats. And so um, my experience when I arrived was just really understanding a lot of the cultural difference. I think that's a, that was a big impact for me because being in the U.S., um, I started a U.S. Uh, company before. And so I already knew the process. How do I register the business? What... Um, um, services are available, what kind of grants and programs, where can I get assistance? I already knew that part. I also knew culturally how the market is with certain innovation. But then moving to Europe, you start realizing different ways of um, uh, the way people value certain things. For example, here they take their time to drink a cafe or, um, you know, whereas in the U.S. find things to be very efficient, very quick. And here it's, it's finding the, the balance between tech, but also human centric. Um, and so, so when I was launching Avenue, that's when I, I started really diving deeper into like what pain points are people having? I, I spoke to a lot of um, expats, not just Americans, but from anywhere um, and started really saying, okay, where are they having challenges? Is it um, the actual integration? Is it actually deciding where to move? Is it, and so it was just really um, diving into that. Once I was ready to launch Avenue, now became the tricky part of getting legal agreements, getting accounting set up, getting all of these um, aspects in French, because all of them needed to be in French, yeah, um, was very tricky. So even learning the VAT system, which I wasn't familiar with, um, I don't think anyone really understands the VAT, but it exists yeah. and we have to <laughs> yeah. um, you know, think, make sure that we're compliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's something which I find absolutely mental is that VAT in the States isn't included in the price. So yes, if yeah. anything, you guys are incredible with it because you buy stuff and pay a different price from what it, it says on it. So yeah. it, is that, was that simpler compared to that? Because I presume in France, it's, everything's sort of factored in at point of sale or point of cost or whatever it is that you're doing. As a consumer, As consumer. it's much easier here when it's included. If I know that it's three euros, it's three euros. Great. Yes. I can give you three euros. In the US, when it comes to eating out and or even ordering drinks, now you have to pay uh, 15, 20% of that. Yeah. Whether they gave you good service or not, or you know, um, it's recommended uh, as a tip, that throws you off. Um, and actually now having traveled back, I was like, oh, I hate this. Like, yeah. why do I now need to recalculate? Why not just include yeah. it? And they manage the rest. On a business perspective, it's different. Um, okay. On a business perspective, it's interesting um, applying VAT and understanding 
where does VAT apply? Business to business sure. is different than business to consumer. And then depending on where the consumer is based, then they're charged certain taxes. So, or what type of services it, service it is versus product. And so there's so many complexities there, even VAT in Europe, there's also VAT in other countries. And so yeah. what all those dynamics are is really complex. Um, but as a consumer, definitely appreciate the price built in. Um, but as a business, it's just, it's, it's overwhelming. So yeah. that's something that any online business or any um, entrepreneur needs to understand. Um, same thing yeah, with tax. It's like the saying, um, you need to make sure you have a good uh, tax and legal. Like those two yeah. are ones I always have um, from day one. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, I guess we should probably explain what, what your business is. Um, and yeah. also, if you wouldn't mind, how, how it came about. And you mentioned you actually had a few other businesses before. So uh, were they similar? Were they, did, were they Did they all sort of compound towards this current one? Or um, were they all slightly different? Yeah, great question. So my previous startups, um, my was uh, a workout partner app. Sorry, okay. I'm like, which one should I mention first? <laughs> um, well, my first business was actually event planning. So I did do wedding coordination. Um, I'm very much into planning. Um, so I did that when I graduated university. So back in 2011. And I immediately started my own business and it was a really great experience understanding how to set up a business, all of these kind of the legal structure, um, also how to find customers, how to present businesses. It was very great for my first experience. What I did learn from that was I don't like being in the service-based business <laughs> where you work per hours and that's when you get paid. So I was always looking for how can I create something that allows me to what make money while you sleep. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so as I was um, building out that first business, I also created my first website and that's when I started really diving more into tech. Uh, I became very passionate about developing websites and I actually started doing it for people, doing it for businesses. Um, and then actually switched my career into technical project management. So it was like combining both of my passions. Um, my last startup that I um, launched is called NGFit and it was a workout, workout partner app. So people could find other people to work out with. And that was really exciting because that was my first mobile app in the app store. I got to learn, okay, mobile is a whole different ballgame than web. Yeah. Um, and just trying to figure out how do you market that? How do you get that in front of people? Um, and, and honestly, I think that that experience allowed me really to learn um, like lessons learned, um, mistakes of what I now have applied to Avenue, which is my current startup. So Avenue is a moving and relocation marketplace. So one central platform where people can coordinate various logistics for their move, whether it's down the block or around the world, they can coordinate in one place. And um, it's been really exciting because that's where a lot of people have shared their pain points and moving is just, they have to go to so many different places to figure out what to do. They have to research so many places. Um, they have to compare quotes. They have no idea how much things will cost for shipping, for immigration. And so we've actually centralized this entire process for people to now plan and coordinate in one place. It's very cool. And, and I've been lucky enough to see it and 
I think yeah. it's great and it's super, super simple. You know, it's, uh, it just makes, yeah, which is a massively complicated task into a very clear pathway, which I think is going to benefit a Absolutely. huge amount of people. Um, obviously, yes. you, you've sort of brought it about at quite an interesting time in the world. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> this is true. Not, yeah, which is <laughs> obviously not your fault either. <laughs> but, um, you know, who, who was to know that would, 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 would happen? But um, how has that affected the business in any way in, in terms of, you know, your expectations for growth and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think March 2020 hit everyone uh, yeah. unexpectedly. You know, there's there's even companies that have closed business. You see, um, you know, even online ones, just because the world has changed. People have different demands. People have different desires. But we held strong. Um, in March, we did see a huge uh, stop to international moving, um, and that and that was expected. We saw, um, but those were new moves. There were a lot of there was a lot of movement of actual people relocating back to their home country. So there was a lot of movement, just in a different way. So this was something we hadn't experienced before. It was just an influx of people um, moving back. Then there was also Brexit that occurred. So now you saw another, like a lot of people moving out of the UK. And so it just was like interesting changes in, um, in the world. Um, then, so we did see a halt for a lot of people um, that we were expecting, um, but that still didn't mean we couldn't assist people. So people still had in mind that they wanted to move. Some people actually decided they didn't want to move anymore, um, but a lot of them continued their move a year later. So we've actually yeah. helped people that originally we were working with in March. Um, then after, let's say, um, now starting this new year, we started seeing borders opening up. And that, that, that helps people kind of have, um, see the light at the end of the tunnel, for example. Yeah. Uh, there is opportunities. There are opportunities. You saw a lot of companies switching um, to remote working. So Remote True. working surprisingly has impacted people to move. A lot of people from inner cities are moving to more rural um, areas. Yeah. Um, you're seeing a lot of movement because of tax reasons. Also, a lot of people, even in the U.S., moving from California to less um, tax-heavy states. Um, then you also see digital nomad visas popped up. I mean, there's more than 18 now. Um, yeah. And those allow remote workers to live there. And on top of that, there's also cities that are um, incentivizing people to move there. They're literally paying people to move there. And really? it's really, yes, it's really interesting. There's more than 12 cities and states um, that will give you, I mean, it could be 1,200, 3,000 to 10,000 uh, just to relocate there. And that's also, again, because of this remote world um, that we live in. And so there's movement. It's just different types of movement. I think that, that if anything, makes, makes it a more interesting market, you know, because I think some of those moves would have been, yeah, so typically a move would be planned over a long period of time. So, mm -hmm. you know, people expect to have to research and do everything, but if it's 
sort of a last minute or you know they're making the most of an opportunity or you know they've just re-evaluated their life in the last few months then i think that probably benefits your platform as well because you're simplifying mm -hmm. a, a process which they don't have a lot of time to 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 deal with um absolutely yeah do, do you that find this yeah oh. sure. no no go i was for gonna it. say that <laughs> that point that you just made about people um you know reflecting on their life uh these past months i think that's the main point i think people now are seeing the world differently because now they're more uh, aligning where they live with their values. I think people are looking for a place that makes sense for them and their family and the quality of life that they want. I think traditionally, if you had to relocate, go to a specific city, maybe for, for a job offer and you had to stay there 10, 15 years, you didn't really have much of a choice. You had to be close, you had to be in the office. Now on a remote, uh, in a remote world, um, you have the option to now say, you know what, I actually always wanted to have a farm and yeah. then go and actually yeah. have a farm and still be productive, be, still be successful in yeah. your work and contribute to the company and the future. Um, so I, I yeah. think that's, that's the main um, uh, kind of pur purpose behind people's sure. needs. Yeah, it's a, that's an interesting one in itself because... I do think some people are very good at that and it's going to work incredibly well for certain people. Um, but I don't think working remotely is for, for everyone, you know, certainly myself, I'll put myself into that category is that mm -hmm. generally left to my own devices over a, a relatively short period of time. I do less and less <laughs> useful things. So I, you know, it is, it's not for everyone, but, uh, I, I definitely think there's that doesn't really matter because they still they don't know it's not for them they're going to make the move and then if anything mm -hmm. it's beneficial because they'll have to move back and so you get the business twice I suppose <laughs> so, well we, we definitely want them to have a successful move yeah, but in terms of in terms of remote working um it's not for everyone you're yeah. right I actually I, I worked in the office for around seven years and then I actually worked remotely uh, for a company uh, for about three years. Working remotely is not for everyone. It takes a certain level of discipline. It also requires that you have a proper setup um, at home or wherever you plan on working. Um, and it requires a very set like schedule because if you don't have this tight schedule of how you plan on mapping out your day, then yes, it can very much, um, you know, change yeah. the way that yeah. you uh, deliver results. Yeah, um, but I definitely see, because there's a lot of people talking about remote work, they, they see, oh, this is the best, this is the best, but they're very new to it and they haven't been doing it long enough to really see, is it the right thing for them? I've been doing it for years. So for me, transitioning, it did take a while. Um, you know, for example, uh, a lot of people would talk about remote work now, like, oh, it's so great. I can work in pajamas. I can do that works for a short period of time. Pretty soon you're going to want to wake up, get ready, feel like as if you were, um, you know, as if you were going into an office, but not just to get your mindset ready for work. Yeah. Um, obviously that's not for every, it doesn't apply to everyone, yeah, but I, I, I see that, um, 
No, I agree with that. that that's, that's very true. And I think also space is, is critically important as well. You know, um, mm -hmm. if, if you have a designated space wherever you are, which is for work, that mm -hmm. makes it easier. I think if the options of where you position yourself in your house are the couch or the kitchen counter, then that, that quickly, um, you know, you're blending your sort of relaxation time with, with work yeah. time. So yeah it's, it's definitely an interesting change in society and um, yeah. i'm certainly watching to see you know that's going to change everything and and even you know investment strategies and all the things that we sort of have historical data on they to some degree they get nullified you know by mm -hmm. by a big change like that so yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's exciting what what do you think um what are your plans for the the business do you have fixed goals where you want to be terms of user counts and stuff like that yeah absolutely so we've actually been working with several companies um, in order to manage their uh, lump sum relocation so the untraditional relocation packages that some companies offer they're actually managing it through avenues so it's it's been really exciting because we do have yes the consumer side we've always opened up for um, the average person who's moving because we do want to simplify moving um, for anyone um, but in terms of the business, we actually have a corporate approach and uh, we do offer companies their own portal. Um, they can manage their own um, uh, issuing of their lump sum relocations. And this applies not just for companies, but organizations. So like I was mentioning, cities um, that are incentivizing people to move there, they can better manage and support because traditionally what... Um, uh, people with uh, or employees with a lump sum are usually given a lump sum of cash or however that is applied uh, and then they're left to their own to figure out their move and so you see a lot of unsuccessful relocations kind of like how you mentioned oh they move they realize it's not for them then they move back and in order to have a successful relocation it's important to have support and so that's where Avenue, like you said, we simplify the process. We allow you to get what you need in one place um, so that, you know, anyone, whether it's a lump sum or with a relocation package can actually use Avenue um, to do that. So, so we're excited. We've been onboarding companies. We're getting a lot of interest, a lot of demands um, for, for off offering this because traditional uh, relocation management companies don't manage lump sum oh. relocation. So, oh, so this is definitely a, a great market for us uh, and to present ourselves. Yeah, and, and you're available globally, right? You're not any company yes. anywhere. That's yeah. cool. So that means you have a, a, a large demographic <laughs> of customers available. That's Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, services vary by country, of course, um, but the main services that we do offer, they're available. We have a huge footprint, and that's because we have uh, as large of a footprint as our preferred suppliers um, and our sure. partners. And so as long as we have um, those built up, you know, we, we do cover a very large footprint. So, yeah. um, uh, Interesting that you said earlier, and this is going back off topic actually a little bit, um, that when you finished education, you started your own business straight away. And obviously you've had multiple businesses. Is, is there a reason why do you think that you went down that route rather than the, a more traditional, you know, work through a company? Do you think there's, mm -hmm. it's just the way you're programmed or is there, you know, where does that come from, that drive to do that? Yes, 
So I actually always did work in corporate. Um, so I, what I did was I, I started these businesses on the side. Um, yeah. So I immediately right after graduating, went into the corporate, uh, worked for fortune 500 and fortune 100 companies. Um, but as I was there, I, I always had this, um, yearning to, I'm a, I would say my intrinsic motivation is learning. For me, if I'm learning something new, then then I will stay at that company for a long time. As soon as I stop learning, if, as soon as I stop growing um, in my own personal, just learning new tools, learning new processes, learning new strategic um, plans, you know, as soon as I stop learning, I feel like my time there is done. Yeah. And so what I would do while working at a company that maybe didn't provide this kind of growth inside the company I would do it outside and my way of doing that was getting just hands-on experience um, by starting a business where this actually comes from I'll say I think it comes from my grandmother she is a businesswoman as well she would talk about how she would always like do business go country to country and um, sell things um, go to Panama and bring things back and sell them in her country and so it's it's lovely because when I speak with her she always says oh you remind me of me when I was younger so I'm gonna say that it came from my grandmother <laughs> that's very cool yeah um, cool I think that's that's probably true of most of the people I've spoken to on here actually is that actually the last one the same thing you know it, you're right it comes from the what well, if you're exposed to that sort of environment uh, you know I don't want to use the word hustler but you know someone that has always well, got I something did, yeah know. we got that we have that hustle yeah um, I I actually never saw her in action actually like I, oh, I never saw her doing this business but I know in her character I can see that she she won't take no for an answer. She's very confident in herself. And I think those are certain traits that are really important in business, especially, um, you know, since I've worked in the corporate sector, I understand how things work in the corporate side. I understand like there's certain things that if somebody is just an entrepreneur, they never worked in a corporate setting, they don't understand. And so I feel that, um, you know, some of those traits I saw from her. So, um, but yeah. That's cool. <laughs> uh, if, if people want to find your app and everything, what, what, there's a website, you have social media and everything. Yeah. If, if you want to plug yeah. you know, where you Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Yeah, you can find out about Avenue. You can go on our website. It's avvinue.com. Uh, Avenue spells a little differently because we know <laughs> we had to add a little touch in there. Um, you can also find us on iOS or Android. So around the world, it's available in every app store. Um, you can download the application be able to plan and coordinate your move. Um, also on our social channels, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, and then of course, if you have a story that you want to share, we love highlighting people's moving stories on our blog as well. Um, so cool. feel free to reach out to our editorial team and we can um, highlight your journey because no two journeys are the same. That's so. very cool. Do, do you use those examples? Do they, do you sort of have like a rule of precedent in any way? Like if someone's done an unusual move, you know, then you sort of have a template, um, which you can go back to or no two moves are the same. 
I honestly say no two moves are the same. Okay. You can have two people moving from the same city, moving to the same city, and they will not have the same story. They will not have the same yeah. experience. And what, what may seem like, oh, I moved here to here to here, and here's how I did it. There's that side. There's also emotional side. People's experiences are very different. And so it transcends in the way that they write and how they share their story, where one story may touch someone in one way and the other one in a different way. And so yeah. that's why we accept um, any, any story because it's part of your, your journey in life. And we sure. love to celebrate those journeys. Some of them are fun and exciting and adventurous and others are really scary. And, um, you know, and, sure. and so we, we like to highlight them. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming. Yes. I appreciate your time.